0: Hi, I'm Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker.
1: And I'm Sarah Hart Unger, a mother of three, practicing physician, writer, and course creator. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families.
0: On the Best of Both Worlds podcast each week, we share stories of how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life.
1: Listen to Best of Both Worlds every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi,
2: I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah.
3: And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird?
2: Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today.
3: Check out our episodes where we welcome hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's
0: it! That's really it! And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonard (laughs) DiCaprio.
3: As a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself.
2: Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Welcome to Car Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Good morning, afternoon, or night to all you Car Stuff fans out there, whenever it may be, wherever you may be. I am Kurt Guerin, and I am in the passenger seat again for this episode of Car Stuff while Scott is out on the road. And although that bit of news may make you feel as if you aren't firing on all cylinders, I think I have the perfect fix for all you Car Stuff lug nuts. To my left in the driver's seat as a car stuff legend, I am thrilled to reintroduce Ben Bolin. It's a pleasure to have you today, Ben.
6: Thank you so much for having me on the show, man. This this is surreal to me. You know, this is the first podcast I ever did, and I am thrilled to be back. I have been doing a lot of stuff, man. I've been on the road like Scott as well, but thank you for having me.
5: No, no problem, man. Thanks for being here. Um, So I guess we can start by you telling everybody what you've been up to in this period of time.
6: Yeah, yeah. So, first, a hello to all of our longtime listeners. I saw a lot of us uh, returning to the Car Stuff Facebook page and the social media and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like Mark Twain, assure you that the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated, <laughs> right? Uh, I've, you know, Kurt, nowadays we're all in the gig economy. So, I've been doing a bunch of like schemes and uh, side sure. jobs. You sure, know? sure. Yeah, Makes sense. and, and uh, I've still been doing. The podcasting stuff, I'm on uh, Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, Ridiculous History. I've been making a lot of shows, but I've also been producing, developing stuff, and I've been on the road. Most recently, I was in Alaska for the first time. Have you ever been to Alaska? It's amazing. It's like the last frontier, and we had to get a rental car. I got a GMC Acadia, which is like a midsize SUV kind of crossover thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was pretty neat, um, because I still drive my old Monte Carlo, so every time I'm in a car that was made after 2006, I feel like I'm sitting in the future, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and, oh, yep, that's true. I should point out for everyone, my Monte Carlo is still around, uh, the transmission <laughs> is still, is still a, little, a little slippy, a little squirrely, but uh, I just love not having a car payment, and as we'll come to find, Monte Carlos are iconic vehicles. You and I were talking off-air, Kurt, about a couple of things leading up to this episode. There's some spoiler alerts that have to come into play because you and I talked about El Camino's, which I didn't know that you and I personally have some background with El Camino's. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we might save that for future episode, but we also talked about the new Breaking Bad film, El Camino. Right. Right, Right,
5: which makes this topic... Have we even have we, we go ahead and say what the topic is now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We should probably get to that part. <laughs> yeah, let's do that at the beginning, right? Yeah. 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 We're going to be talking about the cars of Breaking Bad. So El Camino has just been released to the world, and I've, we have both seen it, and it inspired us to revisit this particular topic, because when the characters drive cars, that kind of fit their personality in a way.
6: Yeah. We do have to say that spoilers will be present in mm-hmm. this show. We're not going to go out of our way to ruin the the show for anyone who hasn't seen it but if you have not seen breaking bad yet it is an excellent piece of television go ahead and pause this Mm -hmm. watch the entire show and then come back we'll wait (laughs) uh you you don't have to watch the whole show but do be warned seriously there will be some light spoilers both from breaking bad and a little bit from the follow-up film el camino kurt if someone asked you to summarize breaking bad in like just a couple sentences, what, what would what would you say? I think you you did a pretty great summation of it off the air earlier.
5: Basically, the show is about Walter White. He's a high school chemistry teacher, and this is all in the first episode. So he finds out he has inoperable lung cancer. Mm-hmm. He then tours a meth lab that his brother in law just busts up with the DEA. He sees how much money that drug dealers are able to attain. So he decides that he wants to use his chemistry skills to cook meth and partners up with a student, a former student of his named Jesse Pinkman.
6: A.K.A. Captain Cook.
5: Right, Captain Cook. He then comes up with this scheme to cook meth to make money for his family because he only has two years to live. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, his uh, brother-in-law is a DEA agent, and his son has cerebral palsy, and his wife is pregnant.
6: And chemo, of course, is tremendously expensive, tremendously yeah. traumatic to He's the body. He's got to fund his... Uh,
5: he also has poor health care, so he, he mm-hmm. has to come up with a plan for that too.
6: And he's got a family to support. They've got two kids, et cetera, et cetera. It starts in dire times and it quickly escalates.
5: The time frame of the whole show takes place over a two-year span.
4: Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. Hi, I'm Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker.
1: And I'm Sarah Hart Unger, a mother of three, practicing physician, writer, and course creator, We are two working parents who love our careers and our families.
0: On the Best of Both Worlds podcast each week, we share stories of how real women manage work, family, and time for fun.
1: We talk all things planning, time management, organization, and more. We share what's worked for us and our listeners as we're building our careers and raising our families. We're here to cheer you on as you figure out how to make your days even more amazing.
0: From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life.
1: Listen to Best of Both Worlds every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone, The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar.
3: It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers, that is the best lesson.
7: In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
6: I think that's a fantastic synopsis of it, and that gets us right where we need to be To explore some of the cars. So, when we talk about the cars of Breaking Bad, we owe a lot to a guy named Dennis Milliken. Dennis Milliken is a transportation coordinator. This is a dream job for a lot of folks. Essentially, he oversees all of the cars, trucks, vehicles for any production, both on and off screen. So like the vans that drive actors to and from the set, he's in charge of that. If there's a Ferrari, he's also in charge of the Ferrari. He's literally the car guy. He got his start on a show called Dallas, and he's worked in TV and film ever since. You can see some of his stuff in RoboCop, some of his stuff in 24. It's weird to me that someone could have a job that important and that... Pivotal, and still be kind of a name that people might not commonly know. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so Dennis Milliken worked closely with the creator of Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan, to scout out cars. And just Kurt, just picture this as your day job. Okay, what <laughs> if today instead of doing our you know usual podcast stuff, you and I just go out in Atlanta and we have a list of fictional characters, like a short description of, you know, what they're about, what their thing is. And we just walk around the city looking for cars that seemed like the kind of cars these fictional characters would drive.
5: Yeah. That That is is crazy.
6: Yeah. That's what Dennis (laughs) Milliken does. And he like, he would send Vince Gilligan pictures and they would be like, I don't know. That's that, that's too cool for Walter White or that car is too nice for Jesse Pinkman. Mm -hmm. Let's find a better fit. And they applied this process to Everything. Now we're talking about cars. I got to tell you, man, one of the... I, I don't want to be offensive, of course, because it's your money. You should buy and drive what you want. But one of the things that really hit me when I first saw Breaking Bad was how much I hated Walter White's original car, the 2004 Pontiac Aztec. You remember that one, right? Yeah,
5: it was a kind of a dull green color. Mm-hmm. It had factory aluminum wheels, but the one on the rear... Driver's side was missing and replaced with like just the, your standard steel spare looking <laughs> looking wheel. It was yeah. it was a pretty sad and decrepit car. And in the first episode, he has trouble shutting the glove box. That's I mean, right. Just, the troubles start just from the get go with this particular car. And I think it was I think it was known for being a not a terribly great vehicle. <laughs> Just, you know, in general. Yeah.
6: I mean, that's, that's the thing. So the Pontiac Aztec was made in 2001. I think they first hit the market, 2001, 2005. And they're crossovers, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it depends on what you want out of it. It's got a four-speed automatic transmission, V6 engine. We've got some good stats. You know, that's a 3.4-liter engine there. The problem with it is that for a lot of people, maybe this is an aesthetic thing, but for a lot of people, a crossover is a compromise, right? It's it's for someone who says, I want a sedan, I want to be able to seat, you know, more than two people, Mm -hmm. like I would in a pickup truck or something, but I also want to be able to change that into a cargo hauler if need
5: be. I feel like the crossover replaced station wagon Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And this particular one has a very wagon feel to it, although it's a definitely a bulky car. The particular color of this car reminds me a little bit of the Truckster from Vacation. It's not as olive green, but it <laughs> yeah. has that feel to it, especially the front end. It's got like four holes for the grill. It just looks very weird, and the fact that it's a Pontiac at the end of Pontiac's existence may have had something to do with the results this car received as far as reviews go.
6: Yeah, it did have some poor reviews, and it's interesting because it ties into the, the story of Walter White in a, very, in a very real and depressing way. Definitely. Yeah, so GM said, okay, we're going to sell 75,000 Aztecs every year, Pontiac Aztecs, that means we need to create 30,000 every year to break even. The model's best selling year was 2002. Uh, they sold a little bit less than 28,000. Hmm. So they weren't meeting demands. And one of their big problems, this is where it ties into Walter White, one of their big problems was that the Aztec was too expensive for the consumers they were trying to pitch to Mm -hmm. and it was like it's a car for generation x you know growing up it's nice i I like vote now i have a mortgage buy an aztec but the problem was it was more expensive than a lot of other competing vehicles in the same space Mm -hmm. so when we see walter white's increasingly busted up pontiac aztec we're seeing not only a guy who's got money problems but a guy who probably paid too much for his car That's the that's the implication, you know, and
5: And he's trying to ride it out for as long as he can. Right,
6: exactly, yeah. Because now's not the time to buy a new car, even after how how many times does a windshield get broken?
5: A three that I, I can remember. <laughs> and it kind of becomes like a comedic thing in the show. After the first time it breaks, Jesse breaks it with a rock or something. Mm-hmm. And then he runs into a couple of rival drug dealers and the classic scene from the show and breaks the windshield again. It finally meets its maker towards the end of the series when uh, he intentionally crashes it to try to throw his brother-in-law off the trail. The car has a nice run in the show, though, and it definitely parallels Walt's existence.
6: Yeah, and I, I love that scene you're talking about where Walt intentionally crashes mm-hmm. the car, as <laughs> DEA agent, brother-in-law. You were also telling me that off-screen they were using not one but multiple Aztecs, yeah. correct?
5: They had the regular one I guess they would use as Walt's driver, and then they had a couple of other ones, a crash vehicle and a parts vehicle and, and another crash vehicle. So I think they had three total.
6: And that's very common for a lot of on-screen vehicles. Yeah, You've got the vehicle that's just for exterior shots. Then Mm -hmm. you've got the stunt vehicle. Then you have the vehicle just for parts or the vehicle for maybe modified so that one can film inside. You know what I mean? There's never just one car. But there is one kind of car that I have always been a huge fan of despite the fact that they are far from perfect, and that, my friend, is the Chevy Monte Carlo. Jesse Pinkman, when we meet him under the moniker Captain Cook, drives a 1982 Monte Carlo lowrider. I like these. It's very much a personal opinion of mine, but the 1982 Monte Carlo lowrider is from the fourth generation of the Monte Carlo dynasty from 1981 to 1984. So it's got a restyled body. It's the two-door coupe layout, and there are different engine options and so on. To me, this is a classic car. Now, I have not driven this kind of... Well, that's not true. I have driven this Monte Carlo, but I've never owned one. Mm -hmm. In this story, Jesse's Monte Carlo very much looks like a small-time criminal's busted-up car. It's dirty, you know, he's got... Doesn't he have, like, a vanity license plate or yeah, something? it
5: says the Captain. Captain's kind of spelled like Captain Crunch, C-A-P-N. <laughs> uh, definitely Jesse Pinkman's type vehicle. Yeah, and it also has hydraulics. Oh, yeah, a classic scene in the show when uh, Tuco's having the gun battle with Hank and it turns into a standoff, Old West style, in the, in the desert. With a bouncing hoopty, Tuco grows in their window, grabs for his gun, and it switches on the hydraulics of so the car. Is sitting here bouncing That's while the right. epic gun battle's about to pop off. And all the while, Jesse and Walt are in the bushes, mm-hmm. kind of hiding from Tuco, who mm-hmm. is like a real scary dude. Yeah, a bouncing hoopty. <laughs> I, you know,
6: it's, it's interesting. I've got to ask you, what do you think of that style of Monte Carlo? Is that too old school for you? Do you mm-hmm. like him? Would you drive it?
5: Yeah, yeah, I like that
6: era of car. And it had some scoot to it.
5: Mm-hmm. And do oh, you have yeah. to
6: admit, uh, what's
5: what's the <laughs> top out at? Oh, I believe uh, the max speed is 103 miles per hour.
6: Yeah, it's zero to sixty. I think is just a little over 15 seconds
3: mm-hmm.
6: for the time. That's that's not that's not terrible. That makes that makes you think. You know, if I were a small time drug dealer, I would uh, I would appreciate having a little bit of zip. To yeah. my ride, you know, just yeah. in case. Although uh, with yeah. the
5: customizations that Jesse had on his car,
6: that's a very good point. It had, had the no. wheels
5: on it, the uh, spoked wheels, and everything. And it was a
6: lowrider too. Yeah. yeah. So uh,
5: yeah, when you know, bouncing all around, things rattle loose and whatnot.
6: Mm-hmm. And he's just a speed bump away from, just <laughs> from ruining just the other <laughs> Yeah. And so this car essentially is a snapshot of early Jesse Pinkman. Has some potential, but is not very well cared for and dirty and uh, has not lived up to its potential at this point. Of course, people who watched Breaking Bad before know that Jesse does not spend the rest of his life in the show driving a Monte Carlo, which is unfortunate, because if he had just fixed it up a little bit, man, or not put the hydraulics on it... <laughs> Anyway, uh, we know that there is another pivotal vehicle that comes relatively early in the story of the show, and it's not a car, right? It's not a crossover. It's not a sedan. What is it?
5: Well, Ben, it's an RV, and to be specific, it's a 1986 Fleetwood Bounder that Jesse nicknames the Crystal Ship.
6: Yes, with a K. Yes, that is correct. So the Fleetwood Bounder, I I have to be honest with you, I love RVs. Growing up, I always had the romantic notion of traveling the world or traveling the country, at least, on an eternal road trip in an RV. And we've had we've had folks who have written to me to demystify the idea, right, when they say, well, actually, driving an RV can have its ups and downs, you know, you Gas mileage is surprised, not that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to find the hookups. The depreciation on the things can be tough as well. And even though I know all of that is true, I still really want to uh, want an <laughs> RV. You know, I <laughs> yeah. want the option. Yeah. Now, Walt and Jesse, when they get the RV, they're not getting it to go on a road trip.
5: Uh, no, no, they decide early on that this is the this is where they need to cook their meth. Walt can't very well cook it at his house, and Jesse doesn't want to cook it at his house either for obvious reasons. Um, so they decide that a mobile meth lab is the way to go. And uh, Jesse is tasked to go out and find this RV. Walt runs into the bank and comes out with, I don't know if the amount is specified or not, mm-hmm. um, all to say it's his life savings of less than $7,000. So between six and seven, probably closer to $7,000.
6: Yeah. And they it doesn't go according to plan. No, So Fleetwood RV or Fleetwood Enterprises, the company that makes these sadly went bankrupt in 2009. I think they filed for chapter 11, which is so weird because in 2007, they were the top selling manufacturer of RVs in the market. So I don't, I don't know the entire story behind that, but in 2008, they were already closing uh, factories across the U.S.
5: Yeah, so Scott and I just did an RV episode. Oh, Uh, cool. So it's up there for you guys to check out. But after the housing bubble burst, the RV industry has been on a full-on decline. Mm -hmm. 2009 seems a little soon for them to just completely collapsed, but maybe they just got out of the game uh, while the getting was good there.
6: Well, they got purchased by a private equity firm called American Industrial Partners. And then another group, CAFCO Industries, they were buying different pieces of the company. So CAFCO okay. bought their manufactured housing. They made a lot of that. And then AIP, bought their RV assets. And so Fleetwood RV is still around now. It's headquartered in Decatur, Indiana. Essentially what happened is these different companies acquired the trademarks. So while the Fleetwood Enterprises entity is gone, you can still see things. The name is still there. Yeah, exactly. It lives
5: on in name only.
6: mm -hmm. The king is dead, long live the king, et cetera, et cetera, (laughs) except with RVs. (laughs) So... There's another vehicle here that I want your take on, Kurt, because this leads to some questions that help me learn a lot about people. (laughs) The 1991 Jeep Grand Wagoneer, which is driven by Walt's wife, Skyler, leads me to ask you, are you a Jeep person?
5: No. I'm not a Jeep person, but I do, I really dig this particular car.
6: Why is that? Why is that?
5: It doesn't look like a Jeep, first of all. Uh Um, It's kind of, it's... this was the first luxury four by four. It doesn't look like it; it would be a luxury car, um, but it just it looks neat. It has the wood faux wood paneling on the side, and well, at least to me, it's one of the cooler cars in the whole show. As Jeeps go, I, I'm not a huge fan, like the. Um, what is it like the CJ five uh-huh. or whatever? Yeah, I forget the number the the one that used to flip over all the time. They Nothing's had like a, perfect, right? Right, uh, right. But yeah, they did. Probably has to do with how they were driven too.
6: Yeah, that's the thing. I, it's a known problem. But the Jeep Wrangler was also known for rolling over when people would literally turn the wheel too quickly. Mm-hmm. So the. Wagoneer doesn't suffer from the same prevalence, right? But this was also... What's interesting here is that 1991, I want to say, was the last year of production Mm -hmm. for this vehicle. Is that correct? That's correct.
5: But this particular car did have the longest production run, or the third longest production run in U.S. automotive history. So that's kind of neat. Nice. Um, Yeah.
6: So if we were to speculate on the showrunner's logic for choosing this car for Skyler then we could say let's see it's it's a 4x4 four four, but it's luxurious right i right. believe it's the first luxury 4x4 four four. it's established and it's at the end of its line mm-hmm. you know so maybe there's a deeper statement there about their character mm-hmm. right a, a a strong person capable of going on the rougher roads, but also with a taste for the finer things in life. I don't know, man. You know, I don't know I'm, either. Yeah, I was I'm just trying to spitballing.
5: Think, yeah, I was trying to imagine this car being one that they may have gotten when they first got together, maybe around the time they first got married. Maybe uh-huh. it was their only car at the time, so they splurged on a nice, like like this may be a single owner vehicle is what I'm saying. And it was the lights yeah. from the get-go. Yeah, that's kind of, that's how I imagine it. It's not explicitly stated in the show. Let me,
6: let me ask you this, Kurt. Um, if you were, now this is entirely hypothetical for everybody listening to the show. Uh, my good buddy Kurt here is not a drug dealer. But if you were uh, not a small-time, like, Captain Cook-level drug dealer, if you were a successful higher-end criminal, what kind of vehicle would you drive?
5: I think I'd have to use my head a little bit on this one. So nothing too flashy, Nothing right? too flashy. Okay. Maybe something like a, a 1998 Volvo V70.
6: That's very specific. I like that you have thought this out. That is the car driven by Gus, the chillingly robotic, tenacious, incredibly organized. Calculated. Calculated. Great word. Yeah. A mastermind of a global meth empire who also, by day, is the... <laughs> is the uh proprietor of the very highly rated local fast food restaurant Los Pollos Hermanos. Yeah. Uh, which you know he's the chicken man.
5: Yeah. It may be the most well-known non-existent restaurant ever. I That's true.
6: Yeah. I have I have a t-shirt from Yeah, pl- uh, Pollos yeah, there, Hermanos. And it
5: doesn't even exist. Well, it does exist in Breaking Bad Land, I guess. Mm-hmm.
6: And I'm sure that there have been other um Maybe there have been fan events where they create Pollo Hermanos for the day. Uh, Everything about this character, Gus, is focused on making him look innocuous. In fact, one could say his error is that he is too successful in being innocuous. He supports the local policeman's ball. Uh, I think at one point someone puts a a tracker on his car and they see that he literally drives the same route at the same predictable times all the time. Mm-hmm. It's too clean. It's too clean. You need If you want to be believable, you got to have a little bit of dirt on your fingernails there. Uh, the Volvo V70 is very much one of those reliable, dependable cars that is meant to function as a daily driver. It's not there to be flashy. It's not there to be impressive. You're not going to pull up to a traffic light and then show off to the car next to you, and you're probably not going to rev the engine to see if they'll race you.
5: When most people hear the word Volvo, they think safe. Right. And that's Gus for you, right? They're just, just safe, very calculated, very safe, very quiet. And uh, so is this Volvo.
6: This is strange because we are building a case where each of the cars you see, it's weird when you think about it, these main characters have all been introduced with a car in some way. Now let's take a look at another car. We've mentioned Hank, the DEA agent, several times. Mm. What does he drive, and what does it say about him?
5: The car that we see him in most is a 2006 Jeep Commander. So that would be a DEA-issued vehicle. His partner, Steven Gomez, has the same color, same type of car. So you can assume that was just the standard-issue car for these folks uh, in the DEA around the time. And this is, you know, i got to be honest. Uh, I like Jeeps.
6: You know, I've never owned one, but mm-hmm. I like them. I, I I should say I've never owned one and I've never rolled one over. So maybe maybe that'll <laughs> That's change why, yeah. my mind. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just I have just been turning the steering wheel too slowly. But this does feel like it is a statement about the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Just the fact that it's even named Commander. You know, it's the kind of car that would appeal to that kind of person, yeah. right? And it's a good vehicle too. Uh, it's like the Pontiac Aztec goes through a lot in the course of the show, right? Yeah, it does. has several lives. And it's implied that he gets it repaired pretty quickly and then gets it back on the road, right? E- even after there was a
5: shootout? Yeah, the shootout uh, with Tuco, with, mm-hmm. where Jesse's car was involved. The commander also gets shot up pretty badly. And it does show up again later, same license plate, so... It's assumed that it was repaired, but it mm-hmm. could have been replaced and had the same license plate, popped on a new car. And then it also gets shot up again later in the show um, mm-hmm. when a couple of characters known as the Cousins <laughs> attack Hank in a parking lot. <laughs> That's a fairly intense scene as well. Hank, he's in the center of some of the most intense scenes in the show. Oh, yeah, it man. seems like he's all— <laughs> he,
6: tends he has to, to basically clear. learn to walk again, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's— He collects minerals.
5: (laughs) The the way you, in the first episode of the series, Hank is not a very likable character. He's just that guy. That guy that is just kind of obnoxious. But also you get the vibe that he's a bit insecure, and so it's revealed throughout the show that he does have this side, and he actually, one of the most likable characters by the end of the show, like him and Jesse are the ones that kind of come out unscathed, I think. Uh, Yeah,
6: and also it speaks to the depth of the writing in the story, because you're right when we first meet hank he is kind of a bully he's condescending to walt you get this feeling that he doesn't have much respect for this guy because he says you know i'm law enforcement i deal with bad bad dudes mm-hmm. and you deal with uh you deal with high schoolers yeah so let's let's Level set here, buddy. And it turns out that he's completely wrong, and his brother-in-law becomes this evil supervillain, right?
5: Yeah. Uh (laughs) And that all may play into the psychology with Walt. He has a lot of potential and he knows he can do things Mm. and he has this potential to be this great mind and he never got the chance to show it and flex. And I think that if there is any redemption for Walt's character, it's that he does get to show that he's capable of something.
6: Right, right. And we see that come out when there's a particular scene I'm remembering wherein Walt has a couple of drinks And then starts saying some real out-of-pocket stuff. (laughs) the Stuff you should not say if you want your drug empire to remain a secret. Uh, So we we see that there's a little bit of instability already showing in Walter White's character. Speaking of instability, I just want to hit this one real quick without spending too much time on it. The 2008 VW Beetle driven by Hank's wife, Marie. Marie is far from my favorite character in the story no, I do like Beatles I like the older ones I don't know about you are you a Bug fan?
5: yeah I was I wonder what happened to all of them that's all it's weird you used to see them all the time
6: yeah yeah well you still I feel like I oh you know what you know what it is man I feel like I see them all the time because uh, I, someone who lives in my neighborhood has one, so I just see, see the same <laughs> one all the time, yeah. <laughs> and the Beetle itself has such a fascinating history, which I think we did an episode on a few years back, so do check out that one if you're interested. Of course, everybody knows what the Volkswagen Beetle is, the bug which has tons of other nicknames. Did you did you know about this? I did not. No. Okay, so I'm not going to read all of these, but in other languages it turns out the VW Beetle has tons of nicknames. It's called the Peta or Turtle in Bolivia. It's called the Bug here in the US, of course. It's called the Kiever in Belgium and the Netherlands. It's called the Kodok or Frog in Indonesia. The the list just goes on. Oh, it's called the Foxy in Pakistan. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, without, without being disrespectful toward the VW Beetle, I definitely wouldn't describe it as a quote-unquote Foxy car.
5: No. Um, it's kind of the opposite of that.
6: Yeah. <laughs> also, throughout the show, Hank's wife, Marie, is just a, a continual source of problems rather than solutions.
5: Yeah, I find it... Interesting, too. Well, it's not interesting because everything she wears is of that purple hue. Oh, Only that's a right. Few, few times in the show does she wear a different color, and I think that may be black, but, you know, everything is purple that she has, and her car, I think it's as close as they could get it to purple. It's this dark blue, very unattractive dark blue color. Um But yeah, Marie is a, I mean, she's kind of a little bit of a kleptomaniac, mm-hmm. I believe, which yep. juxtaposed with Hank's character allows him to show kind of his sweet side, I think you become more endeared with Hank seeing him interact with his wife. I think she takes the Beetle and runs over this child's RC car at one point. Mm-hmm. And um, Hank goes over to the kid and kind of and just slips him some money. And as Marie speeds off in her frantic state, Hank deals with a lot out, <laughs> right. outside of his hard exterior mm-hmm. is uh, is just kind of soft and understanding. Yeah, and plus he's a his wife is sitting here stealing all this stuff, and he knows about it, and he's law enforcement, so kind of says like, "Look, he turns a blind eye to his wife at least. Mm. Maybe he can understand Walt, but he never, you know, he'd never understand that.
6: No, yeah. but that moment where there he is realized, a little thought,
5: maybe that like yeah. this is where the show's gonna go, but yeah, I never ever was gonna go there.
6: And there are so many different directions that the show could have taken. Mm-hmm. It got a chance to explore some other possible avenues of story, not in Breaking Bad, but in the spin-off, Better Call Saul. Better right. Call Saul, of course, takes Bob Odenkirk's character, uh, known, <laughs> introduced to us as Saul Goodman, uh, who is a scheming lawyer. In Breaking Bad, Saul Goodman drives a 1997 Cadillac DeVille. It's not a secret, man. I like Cadillacs. I'm down for it. You know, I I come from a long line of people who like land yachts, Mm. and and I don't aim on changing now. Mm -hmm. So uh, this, can you tell us a little bit about the the Cadillac DeVille in question?
5: Another vanity plate shows up on this one. It's L-W-Y-R-U-P. So lawyer up. I think it's kind of a success symbol for him. In fact, in Better Call Saul, one of the characters, was it Marco, mm, tells mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy McGill, Saul's original name is Jimmy McGill, mm-hmm. slipping Jimmy, uh, that he should get a Cadillac when he becomes a lawyer. Obviously, as soon as Saul be- or Jimmy or Saul becomes a lawyer, he gets his Cadillac.
6: And did you notice that Vince Gilligan appears to have a thing with vanity plates? If someone has a vanity plate he's implying that there's something trashy about them?
5: A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Lawyer up, right? Yeah. And we also know that DeVille's make another appearance later in the show when Walter White drives a 1977 DeVille sedan on, spoiler alert, the last day of his life. Right, right. Yeah.
5: And coincidentally enough, it is his 52nd birthday. The show begins on his 50th birthday, and with his cancer diagnosis, he is given that two-year time frame.
6: So we said Walt starts off his criminal career as the proud owner of a Pontiac Aztec. That is not the only car he drives throughout the show. He drives that DeVille sedan for like a day or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he also drives a 2012 Chrysler 300, mm-hmm. which I, I believe was a birthday gift.
5: Yeah, it is a birthday gift to himself. After he uh, wrecks his Aztec, on the way to take Hank to observe the meth lab, he takes his Aztec to a mechanic and sells it to the mechanic for 50 bucks, I believe, mm-hmm. and <laughs> then um, goes out and purchases himself a 2012 Chrysler 300 SRT8. It is interesting that the car is a 2012 model um, because of the time frame in which the show takes place.
6: Right. This would be 2010, right?
5: Yeah, 2010. Right. The show begins in '09. So it'll and be it's sort of punctuated
6: by his birthdays,
5: and these are pretty cool cars. I mean, 470
6: horsepower, 6.4 liter V8. I would, I, I just going to put it out there. My birthday's in August. I think that's a great present mm-hmm. to get anyone. Doesn't have to be me. Treat yourself.
5: Mm-hmm. And Walt <laughs> may have been taking a little bit of inspiration from Gus with this particular car. Mm-hmm. Um, however. It stands out. It does stand out a little bit.
6: It stands out a little more, definitely more than that (laughs) Volvo, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: And more than the Aztec as well.
6: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Or it stands out at least in a different way.
5: But as we saw earlier in the show, having a busted up car could lead to you being encountered by the police. I believe after the windshield gets broken the Uh first time, Walt is pulled over and pepper sprayed and arrested.
6: (laughs) I forgot. I totally forgot about that. Let's go to Jesse's next car. Remember, he was originally driving that Monte Carlo Mm lowrider. He ends up pushing a 1986 Toyota Tercel. Now, Toyota Tercels are not for everybody. They're not compact cars. Technically, they're subcompact cars. Mm -hmm. That's how small they are. I had an experience with a 1981 Tercel, I want to say. Uh, that put me off of them for the rest of my <laughs> life. So I do not I, I do not agree with this choice on Jesse's part. But Jesse finds this car in a junkyard, right?
5: Yeah. So um interesting tie in here with the Chevy El Camino. When Jesse takes the R V to Clovis's junkyard, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. He needs a car to drive away and he is eyeing a Chevy El Camino. But he can't swing the cost, so he is then directed towards this red tricycle.
6: Yeah, with the idea literally being that he just needs transportation. Yeah, right. Yeah. And some people say this also marks a uh, a stepping stone in Jesse's evolution into a more mature person because he doesn't get a flashy vehicle mm-hmm. or he doesn't pimp this one out, right? Right. Although the idea of pimping out a Tercel is is pretty fascinating. <laughs> if anybody listening has some photos, uh, please send them along or post them on the Car Stuff Facebook page. I would love to see them. There's one last car, though, that we have to talk about. It is by far one of the coolest cars
5: yes, in, uh, in the
6: show, uh, and I think we're on the same page about that.
5: Yeah, the, the 2012 Dodge Challenger SRT8. Yeah kind of shows up in conjunction with the 2012 Chrysler 300 SRT. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that weird scene in the driveway when Walt and Walt Jr. are revving the engines and it's got this music going on. It just comes across as being an ad, which it <laughs> obviously is, um, because the cars weren't even out in the context of the show yet. Yeah, I can't figure out if it was Vince Gilligan's way of making it just completely obvious. It's comical and it stands out, which fits the whole purpose of being in there in the first place.
6: And then there's that thing where Walt is bragging to his brother-in-law. About the it,
5: specs or something, yeah. and it just got like he's like he's yeah. reading a sheet. Right,
6: right, right. I mean, there are great things about the Dodge Challenger, but it does stick out a little bit. Yeah. And it's like let's take a break from the plot and uh let me tell you a little bit more about this Dodge Challenger, Hank. Uh in case you're considering moving on from your Jeep Commander. Why don't you look for something with a 6.4 liter V8, you know, 470 horsepower. I'm just going to go on for a while. You know Mm -hmm, what I mean? Right. That also symbolizes this feeling of success. Owning your dream vehicle is aspirational. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And everybody, even if they don't consider themselves, quote unquote, car nut or something like, everybody has a dream vehicle of some sort. And- For Walt, this Dodge Challenger feels like the attainment of something that was previously unattainable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's interesting because at this point in the show, he has enough money to buy an exotic car, a supercar or something. But instead, and of course there are a thousand problems with that, what's that guy doing with a Bugatti Mm -hmm. in his driveway Wait, actually, I don't know if he could have afforded a Bugatti at that time. Scratch that. Uh, But you know what I mean. A higher-end vehicle. Sure, yeah. Uh, Maybe that's too flashy. But the Dodge Challenger is still also very flashy for his neighborhood, for where he's at in life, Mm -hmm. you know, especially just to pay cash.
5: Yeah, and it's a big step. I mean, we're talking, it's a year from when we met Walter White. I kind of get that vibe from just the character, that this may be like his first new... He's a used car guy. Maybe. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. So like yeah, it, yeah. So, and not only does he buy one, but he buys two. He buys one for himself mm-hmm. and then he, he buys one for his son as well.
6: That's so nuts to me. You know, I... Uh, the idea of walking in somewhere and buying two cars at once with cash, new. I'm a used car guy through and through just because, just because honestly, I'm a little bit too cheap for it.
5: In a way, I mean, I guess it is flashy for Walt in a subtle way. It definitely shows his evolution as a character over the short span of a year. Well,
6: here's the question too Who owns that Dodge Challenger? Does Walter White own it or does Heisenberg? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, which was it the Jekyll or the Hyde buying the car? And that's that's an interesting question, but speaking of buying the car, that's something we should that's something we should squeeze in. We would be remiss if we didn't mention this, Kurt. Ladies and gentlemen, it turns out that if you were plugged in and if you if you had uh, some pretty fortunate timing and a little bit of scratch or cheddar to burn, you could have actually bought some of the cars from Breaking
4: Bad. Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, I'm Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker.
1: And I'm Sarah Hart Unger, a mother of three, practicing physician, writer, and course creator, We are two working parents who love our careers and our families.
0: On the Best of Both Worlds podcast each week, we share stories of how real women manage work, family, and time for
1: fun. We talk all things planning, time management, organization, and more. We share what's worked for us and our listeners as we're building our careers and raising our families. We're here to cheer you on as you figure out how to make your days even more amazing.
0: From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life.
1: Listen to Best of Both Worlds every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenney, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar.
3: It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson.
7: In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: In October of 2013, they had an auction of some of the cars from the show. They auctioned off the Tercel mm-hmm. um, at a starting bid of 5500 bucks. So it eventually sold for $7,200. They auctioned off some of the other cars as well, like Skyler's Jeep and Walt's Aztec. One of the Aztecs. I think it was one of the crash cars.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
5: interestingly enough, they auctioned off Todd's El Camino. So that was like they gave up one of the one of the cars that was going to be shown in the future which is kind of interesting
6: 1978 Chevy El Camino yeah. yeah yeah the we should just do an episode yeah, on El this. Caminos man <laughs> i i was thinking about this uh, i was i was thinking about this earlier this week i was looking back through some old pictures of El Caminos it's weird how you don't see them on the road as often mm-hmm. anymore and i th- i would be into driving one would you
5: yeah, they. I think so. They. If I had one, though, it would be one of those cars where it's kind of reached classic status. Yeah. So you want to drive it, but I you also want to just yeah. collect it. But I'm not one to collect cars. I feel like cars should be driven. So, yeah, definitely. El Caminos are awesome.
6: It's funny. I have multiple friends who always drive pickup trucks mm-hmm. or something like an El Camino, primarily so that they don't have to be the person driving everybody around because they can just say, oh, yeah, we're going out as a group. I can take one person (laughs) with me, Uh, you know, or we can hop in this guy's SUV or something.
5: Yeah. Also, when you have a truck, people want you to help them move often. But I feel like the El Camino is so small that you can't really use it as a truck either. No, it's such a
6: compromise, too, because if you pack the bed of an El Camino the way one would pack the bed of a pickup truck, then the bottom is going to be all sorts of wonky. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't have the load-bearing capability. Yeah. Last thing that I have to say about this auction, Walter White's Aztec, one of them, uh did go up at auction as well. I believe the starting bid for the Aztec was 1000 mm-hmm. mainly because it needed a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I think the most expensive starting bid was actually a VW Beetle, wasn't it? Yep. So if you had to pick, and I think I know the answer here, if you had to pick any vehicle from the vehicles we've discussed or the vehicles not on our list today, any vehicle from the Breaking Bad universe to drive, what would you pick? Um,
5: I would probably, I'm going to change it up here. Okay. Um, I think I said in the beginning that Skyler's Jeep was my mm-hmm. favorite car from the show, which still may remain true. Okay. But I think I would choose Jesse's Tercel. No,
6: are you yeah. serious? Oh, Yeah. What? Why? Yeah,
5: I don't. It's just it's a cool little car. I like hatchbacks. Okay, and, and you could consider this one a hatchback. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with
6: Todd's El Camino, man. I've got the El Camino fever. I, I couldn't
5: drive it though. I just Todd tainted that car.
6: Yeah, it's I got wouldn't the Todd want taint. his.
5: You know, yeah, you would guy. want
6: a El Camino, <laughs> yeah, maybe same model year, but not touched by that Todd's sociopath. just the type
5: of person that you just don't want to be around anything that had to do with him. It's bad yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. There may also, be something hiding in the El Camino that you didn't know was there, <laughs> you know, in the seats yeah. or something.
6: Also weirds me out a little bit, the actor playing Todd, he's a great actor. Oh, man,
5: um, he plays that role just so well.
6: That guy looks so much like Matt Damon.
5: A little bit. I see see what you're
6: saying. When I I first watched it, I kept thinking that was Matt Damon. Mm. But, you know, maybe I have some kind of weird face blindness or something. I I was definitely focused more on the main characters and more on the cars. Kurt, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on Car Stuff. Oh, anytime, anytime. It's weird to come back. I know that this episode was more of a list right and we're Mm -hmm. we're exploring a television show as well but in the future if you're cool with it i think we should do a whole episode on the story of the el camino and maybe see what our odds of getting the el camino resurrected are
5: most definitely let's do that so, Ben, for old times' sake, fly us out of this episode with ways that our faithful listeners can contact us and interact with us.
6: Absolutely. Yeah, man. Uh, we are all over the Internet. You can just type "car stuff" into your search assistant of choice, and uh, and it should lead you to us. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. All the hits, all, all, all the good ones, uh, we're <laughs> CarStuffHSW on each of those. And while this concludes today's episode, it does not conclude our show. Tune in next week uh, where Kurt and maybe I will be returning uh, with some more car stuff. Let us know what you think too, folks. What's your favorite car from Breaking Bad, what would you drive? Will Kurt and I still be able to hang out together despite his uh,
5: last-minute plot twist love for Toyota Tercels? Maybe. Stay tuned next time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Car Stuff is a production of
7: iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: Hi, I'm Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker.
1: And I'm Sarah Hart Unger, a mother of three, practicing physician, writer, and course creator. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families.
0: On the Best of Both Worlds podcast each week, we share stories of how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life.
1: Listen to Best of Both Worlds every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi,
2: I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah.
3: And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird?
2: Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today.
3: Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend, Andy Samberg. That's it, that's
0: really it. And Queen, Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonard DiCaprio.
3: (laughs) As a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself.
2: Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.